Hey family, welcome to the Recalibrate podcast. It's your host Esther Glory and this is a new episode. Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode. This is season three, episode 20 and we are going to be talking about decision making. What role does the voice of God play in our decision making? Does he? Does God have a, a say in our decision making? How do we allow God to govern our decisions? How do we allow God into every single area of our decision making? Um, if that be the case. So we're going to um, have that conversation today and it's going to be all the things. Um, so make sure that you stay tuned as usual. If you are new um, to the Recalibrate community, then welcome to the party. And yes, it is a ball around here. Make sure that you follow us on um, all our social media platforms, which will be in the description notes. And make sure that you head over to our YouTube. Yes, guys, we've been speaking about it, but we are finally live. We now have our YouTube page, the Recalibrate podcast. If you type that in on YouTube and subscribe, because fresh content is going to be dropping on there from this week onwards. So make sure that you you rate, you review, you subscribe, like, share and comment. Um, we're saying all the things now. So if you are in our um, audible only uh, podcast streaming platforms, then make sure that you keep listening and you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to there. If you are listening in from YouTube, then please make sure that you are also subscribing there. Um, I love you guys and absolutely adore you. You know this already. If you've already been around here, then you know where the drinks are, where the food is, um, you know your corner. So make sure that you get comfortable, grab a drink, grab something. If you're listening to this while you're working or while you're doing something, something, then just click fingers for me as if you catch some great things while you're listening in um, and join in in the conversation. Um, every single Friday at 7pm, a new episode of the podcast drops. Um, and I always engage in conversation with each and every single one of you um, that listens in and sends me your feedback or your thoughts on the conversation, um, either on our DMs on Instagram, by email, um, in our Facebook community as well. So please make sure that you are engaging in the conversation. This isn't just about what I'm sharing or what we're sharing, but this is a community podcast. This is an ongoing conversation because as you know, our mantra here is we hear God, uh, God's voice until we become everything he's ordained for us to become and then begin to do all that he has ordained for us to do. Um, and so we are going to continue the conversation even after season three is done. We are going to continue the conversation about hearing God's voice in some very creative ways. Um, so please do stay tuned. Um, and we're going to be making use of our YouTube as well to, to release um, some really cool um, audio and uh, visual content um, for you as well. So make sure you stay tuned. Let's dive right into this week's episode. Um, in this week's episode, um, we are going to be talking about decision making, as I stated before. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to give you the random musing of my heart because I don't want to forget it. Um, but the random musing of my heart for this week's episode has been something that I've been thinking about. Um, I felt generally quite convicted. Um, more recently about the motivation behind which I used to do things. Um, so um, if you were in shameless plug, I am going to plug recalibrate stuff because I genuinely believe in it. Um, so throughout the episode, if you hear me talk about some of our resources, then please do go and check it out. Um, but in the recalibrate masterclass of 2021, which we did in January, that is available to purchase the replays and the workbook are available to purchase on our website. The link is in the show notes. Um, 
I spoke about like growth plans, recovery plans, basically planning a year beyond just New Year's resolutions or goals that you or targets that you need to meet, but in a way that holistically allows for total transformation in your relationship with God, in different areas of your life, planning in a way where God is leading and guiding you into a place where you finish the year or begin a new year, a completely different person or more of yourself in God, should I say. Um, And one of the things that, um, I was revisiting um, was not only my growth plans, but also my recovery plans in different areas. Um, And I realized that um, as I was revisiting these plans, um, I began to have a conversation with God about my motivations behind doing certain things. So for example, um, in some areas, I felt like I was or wasn't doing something um, for reasons that were outside of the fact that it was God's desire or design that I do that thing. Um, And I began to feel convicted about how many areas I could actively point out that my motivations weren't bad, but they just weren't led by God. And so it was this whole idea of it may have been good, but it wasn't God. And so the random musing of my heart for this week's episode is the idea that the fear of the Lord truly brings and a relationship with God and reverence for him truly brings a uh, transformation and it brings transformation even down to the level of your motivations. And so um, what's the random musing? I won't do it because of them. I do it because of him. I won't do it because of them. I'll do it because of him. And that is the new approach that I am taking to everything I say yes to, everything I say no to, everything I do, everything I don't do, every decision that I make, every decision that I don't make, every decision that I submit to those that that lead me, every, every decision that I'll make internally, every vow I commit to or don't commit to, every person I'll be loyal and integral to or won't be. Um, these decisions have to be made um, and even these motivations have to be because they glorify God. These decisions have to be because I feel like they are in God's design and purpose for me. And this is the becoming part of what we do here at Recalibrate. And I felt to share that with you as the random musing. Don't do it because of them. Do it because of him. And that's something I'm learning. And I'll take it a step further. A practical application of that is one of the things that I struggle with personally is um, I work through things that are so very real things can be happening in my own personal life. Um, but because I use work, work stabilizes me. It helps me to get through. But sometimes I I overdo the work. So sometimes I burn out. Sometimes I don't rest. Sometimes I'm going at it consistently. And what I realize is that my motivation behind working is to cope. My motivation behind working is so that I don't let anyone else down. My motivation behind working sometimes is so that I'm not seen as weak. And there's different different things that come with that um and so or not responsible because one of the things that naturally by personality type I hate when people think I'm lazy or irresponsible and so sometimes I can work through things that I should actually rest from in a particular season because I don't want to seem a particular way to other people um and I had to realize that if your motivation is the fact that you don't want them to see you this way are you addressing what God might actually need you to rest from so that he can sit speak to you about a particular thing or maybe his desire is that you actually rest in him and it's a that's a concept I'm still learning resting in God um 
So the desire or the motivation has to be that I am working because this is something that God will use to regulate my mind. I'm working or I shouldn't be working in this time. That has to be my motivation at some point as well. I'm not going to work through this. I'm actually going to take time away to deal with this stuff, but also to open up sensitivity, to fast, to pray, or to just to spend time in God, allowing him to replenish or to refresh me personally so that I can be my whole self. I can be my, my, um, rejuvenated, refreshed self at my best capacity when I return to these things versus choosing a motivation that is based on people pleasing. Um, and that can be a really hard thing to come into awareness of. But I, I personally believe in self-awareness as a really uh, key tool, not just in emotional regulation or in self-help in terms of physical and natural things, but also in spiritual things, being aware of yourself. I believe it's, I believe it is biblical as well because of the idea that that in the bible it speaks about uh, scriptures that speak about um looking internally doing work of introspection not condemning your neighbor for something that may be in their eye when you haven't looked at what's in your own eye and so yeah i just believe that there is a work of awareness like things like that are really hard to come into awareness of but when you do it's what you choose to do with it and so i have practicalized um this this understanding that it's not for them and it's not because of them it's for him and it's because of him and so now I understand that and Holy Spirit has been explaining to me in different areas where I've made decisions or I've been motivated by things that don't actually glorify him. Even though they're not bad, they are not necessarily things that are from God or for God or because of God. And so now I'm more aware when I'm making decisions to to uh especially when it comes to work decisions about new commitments or commitments I've already had, but new dimensions of them or new um new roles or new understandings or more work or just a new task even sometimes I've become aware that I need to stop before I make the decision and say what is motivating me to make this decision what is motivating this commitment what is motivating this work task what is motivating these things that I'm doing so that I don't put myself in a position where God had God has shared revelation with me or God has shared wisdom with me and I've placed it down to the side or I've become familiar with it or I've or I've um, relegated its relevance to my life. Um, and so, yeah, guys, be practical about making sure that you are not doing it because of them or not doing it because of another thing or you're not doing it because of maybe a broken a broken place or an insecurity or a fragment in your own soul. But make sure that it's not because of that or them or it, but it's because of God. So that's the random musing of my heart for this week's episode. Um, let me know what area of your life. It, uh, yeah, let me know what area of your life that you don't want to do it because of that or them or it, but you want to do it because of God in. Um, and let's build a prayer list about this. Um, let's pray together. Let's uh, practically apply what we what we've realized, what we've become aware about um, in that area. Um, let's pray about it. Let's become active in our in our pursuit um, of God in that particular area. Um, so let that bless you in which way it will it bless me. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so let's dive right into this week's episode. So decision making, decision making. Um, it is 
uh, I can't even explain how important it is um, to be responsible with your decision making. One of the things that I have learned as I have matured and grown older, um, and I'm not even talking like spiritually or uh, in a wisdom sense, I'm talking naturally, physically. One of the things that I have learned in maturation, in age, has been that on the other side of any decision I make, there will be a result, a consequence, a sequence of events, almost like a domino effect that will take place on the other side of every decision I make. So for example, if I say I want to be more integral and I say I'm going to message or to call a person and I make that decision and I also highlight to the person that I'm going to see you, I'm going to make time to see you, I'm going to make time to call you, I'm going to make time to message you. Um, and then I don't follow through with that. There is an expectation that has now been built in that person that I, I have now not met. And because it's not been met, even if they never had an issue prior to that or before with maybe integrity or loyalty or keeping to your word as your bond, that kind of idea, that decision has now opened up, even if the person is like, great, they have no uh, attachment issues or anything like that, you open up an understanding that even if it's not for anybody else, for their relationship with you, there may be times where you obviously won't come through on your word. And so that hit me hard one time because I remember um, somebody I love and absolutely cherish telling me that they were going to call me. And I remember because I'm the kind of person that if if we're on the phone and I say, I, I'll call you back and like, we're not like absolute besties there is a high like 95% chance that I probably won't call back um so when people tell me they will call me back or they'll message me or whatever because I'm not like a high maintenance you have to call me every week and check on me kind of person um but if people say that to me more often than not I don't expect them to call me back um but I remember going through something and I remember this was years ago I remember going through something and they said they would call me back and they never called me back about that particular thing I remember we spoke later on um but it was never about that particular thing and that chapter of my life closed quite quickly um and we kind of just moved on and never really spoke about it and I remember um them saying like a few years later when something completely something else happened I think it was even something good that happened and they said they would call me back and I was like oh no don't bother and they were like no why would you say that I'm gonna call you back blah 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 I just need to um call someone back to tell them something and I'll call you straight back and I was like oh no 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 don't worry because like I don't want you to feel pressure to call me back or whatever and I, I also don't want you to not call back and it makes me feel some type of way it won't but by happenstance, if that is to happen, I don't want you to to feel a particular, I don't want to feel a particular kind of way because you didn't call me back because this has happened before. And I remember them saying, oh, I recall that, but like, I didn't really feel like you would feel a type of way because we don't call each other back, even if we say we're going to call each other back. Um, and I remember being like, yeah, I know, but I don't know why when you said that it reminded me of that time. I don't feel pain concerning that time, but it just reminded me. So I didn't want to put pressure on you. And I also didn't want to add something to my memory bank that doesn't impact us negatively. But I remember. 
And so I remember us having that conversation is really awkward to highlight how you feel about something when you either don't know or you know that it doesn't impact you negatively, but you remember it. Um, And so I remember us having that conversation and I remember saying that every decision that was made in that particular scenario impacted one person even if it wasn't badly, you just now have a memory of that person failing at something. And that's not, that's not really a good thing. Um, in terms of decision making, like we have to think about who's on the other side of our decision, everything you say, it matters, everything you do, it matters, everything you don't say matters, everything you don't do matters, every decision that you make, whether it's choosing this avenue, or that way, or this job, or that, um, ministry or this church or that friend or that spouse that partner whatever you do that business that um that education or academic path whatever you choose or don't choose is a decision that you're making saying yes to one thing is saying no to another thing every decision that you make is super duper important um because there will be a domino effect in it even if it just impacts you you have to uh be in the place of self-compassion to know that I'm not just going to make reckless decision decisions, even if I will be the only recipient of those consequences. And more often than not, because we are not lone rangers, our decisions will also impact other people. And one of the things that I have, um, uh, one of the things that I didn't realize that was like a green flag for me when it came to people and knowing that they're safe people is when they consider how their decision may impact people when they think through their decisions either they do it internally and you can see the fruit of that as they make the decision or they are people that will explain through their decisions especially to people that they're leading people they're responsible for or just the demographic of people in their lives that that decision will influence um that is a green that is a major green flag for me in friendships in relationships with leaders with people that i'm around um when you can make a decision and consider what will happen on the other, what will be the result, what will be the consequence, what will be the sequence of events after this um, decision, that is a major green flag. And so one of the things that I have been growing in is if I see it as a green flag for other people, it's something I also must pay attention to in myself as well. And so this was something that I've always done, but to a greater degree, holding it in higher esteem to make sure that I am considering the sequence of events after every decision I'm making, not to make me an indecisive person, not to make me fearful about my decision making, but so that I can rely and trust more in God, one, but two, so I can also be sober when I'm making decisions, three, so that I'm not I'm not also irrational in making decisions um one of my friends really put me in order the other day she like checked me and put me all the way together um not in a bad way in the most loving way possible actually um when I I remember highlighting to her something I felt um which is major vulnerability win for me uh I can say how I think oftentimes but how I feel is an is a as a a level of access reserved for a few not because I'm like this sacred you can't touch me kind of person but simply uh to be able to protect my journey and growing and getting better in vulnerability um and I remember sharing with her how I felt about a particular thing which I actually hadn't spoken to anyone else about um and I remember her saying to me that whatever you do don't make a decision about this now 
And she highlighted that to me because of the season of life I'm in, because of the different things that I'm doing, um, because of the people that I'm uh, involved with or around. She basically highlighted to me how this decision would impact me in more in more negative ways than positive ways if I try to make a decision about it now, especially if I mot- if my motivations to not do it were because of what might happen on the other side. So she just said, hold off your decision until you're at a different space in life. Um, and so because of that, that really allowed me to see from a more sober lens and from a more objective lens what I needed to do in this time to be able to handle what was going on or what was happening or the events that were unfolding without making an irrational decision um, that may actually negatively impact my life or my relationships in the long run after that. And so, listen, I love my friends. I love, I love my friends because, and this is why I always encourage people to don't, to not do this void of community. This journey of hearing God's voice um, is not only about what you're hearing, but it's about the wisdom of God being translated. We spoke about this about two episodes ago, Um, but the wisdom of God being translated in the voices in your life, through the voices in your life, like does your community host the voice of God so well, not just concerning you, but in general, that the voice, the wisdom of God can flow freely, even in conversation? Can you just have random conversations? Can you highlight things in a safe space and in a safe way and feel like the wisdom of God will be applied to every single thing that you present? Um, That is a community that hosts the voice of God well. And so, or that is a friendship that hosts the voice of God well, or a relationship or a connection, whatever that might be, that hosts the voice of God well, one where the wisdom of God can flow freely. Um, And so, yeah, all I'm trying to say, I always say it's my two pence, but it's really my 10 pounds. All I'm trying to say is that every decision that you make is so, so, so important. Every decision that you make will have consequences, will have a sequence of events that follows. It will have people that it impacts. It will, it may even impact just you, but you're still a person and you still um, are valuable enough to receive self-compassion through thinking through your decisions, not just thinking them through step one, step two, six steps to better decision making. But I'm talking about the kind that involves God is centered around what he has to say and makes room for his wisdom to lead the way. Um, And so let me give you some principles uh, because I've just been talking at you and I've said a lot without saying much. Um, So I'm going to share with you some three, I think, of the most important principles um, when it comes to decision making uh, the God way. Uh, Let's call it that. I think principle number one is you have it has to be your decisions have to be worshipped too. Oh gosh, this this blessed me while I was studying for the to write the podcast script and while I was praying and stuff and and preparing and just reading through some of my random musings to kind of collate my thoughts. This blessed me. Your decisions have to be worshipped too. Your decisions have to be from a place of obedience. Your decisions have to be in a place of sobriety, in stillness, in sensitivity to the voice of God. Every single last one of them. Like uh, one a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching um, on some uh, some stuff that's completely unrelated to this. Um, and it was for people who are like teaching and teaching the word of God. And I remember teaching a session 
um, and basically just speaking about um, the fact that whenever Jesus had a major decision or a major thing to do publicly um, or even privately, he would separate himself to pray. And I was studying every single time it said that in the scriptures that Jesus separated himself to pray or he went just a little bit away from the apostles or the disciples and he would go and pray, pray alone. Um, and then in the scriptures, Jesus speaks about the fact that the Pharisees and the people, um, the religious people um, had um, had already received their reward because people had seen their, their measures of religiosity um, and that it was the people who went away in, in secret and prayed to God in secret that God would reward them um, for the things that were done in private. And so I was studying through all of that just in my own personal devotion time. And I was intrigued by the fact that Jesus would always go away to pray before significant moments in his journey and in his uh, earthly ministry. And I remember just thinking like, Holy Spirit, why, why before every decision? Why couldn't it be after revelation of him? Or why couldn't it be after certain things? Why was it before every decision? The Garden of Gethsemane, that prayer was before the decision to go in and to go to the cross. Like that was even a, an appointed timing of God because it was there that Judas would then come and highlight that this was Jesus and this was the one that needed to be crucified. And then he would go from Gethsemane um, to be crucified. And so or to be arrested and then obviously leading to the crucifixion. And I, I remember just being like, why before every decision? And Holy Spirit was highlighting to me that your decisions are worship too, but there must be the trading in of one will for another in that decision-making process. Because sometimes we, I don't know if you do this, you guys might be more saved than me. Sometimes I'll go to God about something and I already have an idea of how I want it to go, the way I want him to answer me. And it's like, that level of pride approaching God with almost this idea that I know what's best so you just make it happen because you have the power to do so um, isn't the approach that we take when it comes to decision making concerning concerning things with God. The approach actually is the idea that I must trade in my will for yours. So even if this is the decision that you want me to make, it has to be because it's your will for me like God's will for me. It can't be because this is what I've dis decided or designed and I just want you to make it happen because it may be right activity, wrong posture. Um, and we're going to speak about this some more because I love this topic. And if you haven't already, I said I would be making plugs throughout the episode, the more devotional 30 days discovering more in God, more in you and more for you to do in the world has an entire um, devotional day uh, where we journey through the scriptures and also Bible commentary and practical applications um, for right, right activity, wrong pursuit, which we're speaking about now um, in the first 10 days of the devotional, I believe. So if you haven't already, go and grab that. It's at www.recalibrateuk.com forward slash um, resources. And then you'll be able to grab yourself the devotional there as well. And it's also available on Amazon if you type in the more devotional um, or recalibrate or Esther Glory, you'll find it. Um, so, yes, um, as I was saying, when it comes to our decision making, it must be done with so with as much reverence as we worship God with. It must be done in as much 
reverence as we pray to God with. It must be done with as much reverence as our revelation of him. We can't make these decisions off the whim and ask God to bless our decision making. He has to be involved in the process. And the way that we do that is having a better understanding that decision making is part of our worship life. Decision making is part of our prayer life. Decision making is part of our relationship with the voice of God and with God in himself. Um, The Holy Spirit is able to breathe wisdom upon every decision that we make when we actually allow ourselves, allow him into the process. And when we obey him, when he gives us instructions or when he gives us an opportunity to be sensitive to him um, and sensitive to his instruction. Uh, One of my favorite things is, as I've been growing in this area, has been to not make the decision until I hear something from God. I used to be very scared of the fact that if I waited too long, I would miss opportunity or if I waited to hear God, or sometimes there was just this misconception that God would be late. He would speak really slowly or he wouldn't say anything for six weeks. And sometimes that those things have come from previous disappointments, which we'll get onto in another point. Um, But one of the things that I had to teach myself is that God will speak when he speaks, how he speaks, in what way he speaks, is my job to be open and sensitive to um, and to understand his expression and why he might be sharing it in that time, in that way. But God will speak, period. And if I'm going to live a life that allows God to be at the chief decision maker and and part of my decision-making processes, I have to understand that he will speak. And so I just have to slow down, relinquish my deadlines and timelines to God, because sometimes he's spoken way before I've even gotten the opportunity. Sometimes he's spoken before I've even had the conversation. Sometimes I don't even have understanding of the wisdom he's giving me concerning decisions that haven't yet been put on the table before before me. And so one of the things that I have been learning um, in my own personal journey has been this idea um, that when it comes to... Um, when it comes to decision making and making sure that we are allowing God um, to take center stage when it comes to our decision making or um, listening out for him is dealing with the misconceptions, dealing what previous disappointments may have impacted us or how they may have impacted our expectations of God. So for example, I said, I've mentioned this, I thought that God would always be late. Um, One of the things that I had to teach myself is that God was, I, I had to assess these scenarios based on the idea of, I had to understand basically that my definitions of success when it came to decision making and allowing God into the, into that process were when it was when it benefited me or was when it it was my design or when it was what I desired or it was when what I had wanted secretly in my own heart came to pass. And so I only labeled it a disappointment because what I wanted didn't happen my way. And sometimes I had to make myself understand objectively that actually God did do it just in this way or God didn't do it because it wasn't his will for me. And oftentimes when I've looked back on those opportunities or those areas or those um, things, I've thought, actually, if I had taken that, where would I be right now? If I had been a part of that, where would I, if I had been in that relationship or if I had continued that friendship or if I hadn't changed the dynamic of that relationship or if I hadn't joined that group or if I hadn't um, 
maybe um, spoken to this person or if I hadn't sent that email of whatever it may be, knowing that whatever decision I make, there will be consequences or a sequence of events that follow. I had to understand that God did actually do something. It just wasn't what I wanted. It, it wasn't in the way I wanted. And looking at the goodness of God in what he's also withheld from me has also been a way that I've matured myself. I've learned that my definition of success when it comes to a decision that I've made has to be how much it worshipped God, how much it gave glory to God for me to make that decision and complete that thing in that way with that person, with those things. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm saying, do you get what I'm saying? Like you guys can answer me. Um, That's how you know, I feel like I'm really just on the phone. Um, But yeah, so it's like, it's really important that when when it comes to making our decisions, we actually understand that this is worshipping God. This is obeying him. This is living out our sonship when we can make our decisions, understanding how holy, how sacred, how um, maturing they may be for us as people who are following God and are following his voice. So I say all of that to say that principle number one is that your decisions are as much worship as you lifting your hands and singing a song. Um, It's about the posturing of your heart. It's about how you live out this posture in your day to day life. And we don't just want to be people who have the right activity and the wrong posture. So when it comes to your decision making, how can you put God first? And how can you deal with your with your misconceptions about the way that he answers? Have you allowed disappointments? Have you allowed previous ways, uh, previous things that you've um, previous decisions that you've made, previous things that you've left in God's hands that didn't go the way that you wanted or planned? Have you allowed those things or those scenarios to educate you about the voice of God and about his relationship with your decisions? Um in a way that actually doesn't glorify him and doesn't allow you to be more vulnerable with him or to allow him in or to trust even his decision making concerning you. Um, but yeah, similar to the random musing, when it comes to this, it can't be about that. It has to be about him. Um, and so when we because what you what we don't often realize, something it took me a long time to realize is that when it glorifies him, my needs will be met. I don't think you heard me. When it glorifies when it glorifies him, come here. Don't run away. Don't press pause. Don't no no no. Come here. Sit down. Take a minute. Breathe. Inhale, exhale. <laughs> um, I know I had to, and I still do sometimes, but when it glorifies him, your needs will be met. Sometimes it takes our, our souls a while to catch up because of what we've experienced prior, but when he when it glorifies him, when we allow our decisions to glorify him, when we allow him to govern us, when we allow when we make the active choice to follow God and to trade in our will for his, your needs will be met. And even the desires of your heart, God is aware of them. He's all knowing, all seeing. He is aware of it. And he will meet your needs and he will meet the desires of your heart in his perfect and pleasing will for you. It won't always take the shape or form that you desire, but it will be met when it's in his will. And what's in his will will come to pass. Um, so we but we also have to do the work of partnering with his will. Um, so, yeah, let this be complete. I don't want it to be incomplete, but let it be complete. When it glorifies him, your needs will be met. When it glorifies him, the desires of your heart, according to his perfect and pleasing will for you, will also be met. 
in this, we know that we can trust him and we can allow him in. We can share with him in this work of partnering with him concerning um, our decision making is to shut down those voices. Now, what do I mean when it comes to. um I think I've said this before in one of our earlier episodes, but when it comes to um, making decisions and, and hearing God's voice, one of the things that we can do is pull up a chair and be like, yeah, Holy Spirit, you sit down with voices of rejection, with voices of abandonment, with voices of imposter syndrome, with voices of um, previous partners, with voices of um, previous leaders, with voices of abusers, with the voice of um, my own internal insecurities, with the voice of, like, pull up, to, pull up to the boardroom real quick, Holy Spirit, just come and have a pitch in what you want to say with the voices that are already speaking. And that isn't the way that we must approach um that isn't the way we must approach this new way of making our decisions. Um, I think we not only do that, but we consult other people. And we I've been seeing like this, um, this meme going around on like Christian Instagram, Christian Twitter. Um, and it's this idea of, oh, when God was giving you your calling, it wasn't a conference call. So even if people don't believe in you, kind of like, I don't know why I see it with someone like waving their hands around saying it wasn't a conference call. He was calling you individually. Don't matter if they pay attention, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's so funny to me. Um, But I understand what the the sentiment behind um, or the value behind the statement that's being made in that particular meme. It's this idea that we can't just pull up Holy Spirit to a, a, a table that's been making the decision so far. Something that I had to do to center myself when I would try to do that or to teach myself a new pattern of thinking when I would do that is not only to deal with these things individually within my emotions, within my mind, um, negative words and stuff that have been spoken. I didn't only have to deal with the stuff individually and compartmentalize that because it was overflowing into my decisions at some point. What I had to begin to do in those areas as well was to silence them one by one. And how did I do that? I asked myself really hard questions. Okay, rejection may have been influencing my decision making for six to 12 years or whatever the the time gap may be. I'm being very random and vague, not um, it's not anything particular. Um, But I would say like, I would ask myself, okay, rejection has been influencing my decision making for how X amount of years or X amount of months. How fruitful have those decisions been? On the other side of those decisions, what have been the sequence of events that has taken place on the other side of that? Who has been impacted by my decisions? Have I been compassionate to myself in those decisions? And when I look at the the track record of my history with rejection, those are particular things that haven't been fruitful. But when I've allowed God to take the lead, my track record and the history of that has been either a lesson, either new relationships, new connections, either the readjusting of relationships and connections, either a new opportunity, either a a correction or a rebuke from God. I see that as open doors and opportunities as well. The provision of God comes in rebuke and correction too. So 
or the sorting or the reordering of my life or deliverance, healing, restoration, the decisions that I've allowed God to make, the decisions that I have partnered with God's will concerning have been so much more fruitful um, and less self-damning um, than the decisions that I've allowed these insecurities or these past traumas or these experiences to influence me to make. And so what I'm trying to share with you guys is you actually have to do the work to silence the things and the areas that have tried to make you make decisions based on where you've previously been. The voice of condemnation has not been as fruitful as the voice of God. Um, the voice of isolation hasn't been as fruitful as the voice of God. So I'm not going to pull up Holy Spirit to an already full uh, conference call, an already full boardroom, an already full um, C-suite. I'm going to pull up Holy Spirit and I'm going to silence other voices. I'm going to get rid of those voices. I'm going to uproot the 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 voices and their thought patterns that I've been discipled in through letting them make my decisions or letting them influence my decision-making processes. Practical ways to do this. Like I said, ask yourself some of those questions that I asked earlier. Not only that, pull people in. Prophetic community matters. People who host the voice of God well matter. People who value and reverence the voice of God concerning themselves, concerning you, concerning your relationships with them, concerning the world around them are also very important. Make sure that there are people that you can trust. So um, when it comes to our principle number two um, about decision making and doing this in a space where it glorifies God or where we, we make his voice central to to our lives and our decision making process, one of the things that we must also remember to do that you can pull in so that you can have these conversations that allow you to assess. For example, um, I gave the example in, in the podcast, I, I shared with my friend the way I felt about something. And instead of allowing voices to help me make that decision that won't be as fruitful as the voice of God, I pulled on somebody that I knew um, values the voice of God concerning me, values what God has to say about me. And so she was able to draw on the wisdom of God to be able to give me information that would hold me for a season and allow me to wait until another another time or season or space in life to be able to make a better version of that decision that when God that when God teaches me or guides me into and, and gives me the instruction to make a that particular decision um, I can respond from a better place because of the new space that I'm in so all I'm trying to say is there are practical applications to silencing these voices, these things that, and sometimes you have to become aware first. You have to identify so that you can correctly place these voices. So for example, um, if you have a new opportunity and there's a voice that's like, oh, you can't do this. Why can't I do this? Don't make the decision that you cannot do it without assessing or addressing the root, the source of that thought, because these are things that may have previously influenced your decision making that you may just be giving free reign to in your thought life. And one of the ways that we we maintain an, in, uh, an internal environment that hosts the voice of God well is by assessing the source and the root of every voice, of every thought, of every um way of thinking of every decision making process make sure that you're assessing the root and the thought um, and the source of that thought so that when it comes down to it you can actually have a better understanding um, of who makes your decisions how you make your decisions why you make your decisions where you make your decisions what reason you use to make your decisions um, because it's not all logic 
And I think sometimes because we've not correctly placed the root of certain thoughts, the source of certain thoughts, we've attributed it to logic. Oh, my mind went ahead of me or I didn't want it to be an airy fairy decision. I didn't want to just leave it to God. I didn't want to be passive. You know, we we throw away these new woke words. I didn't want to be passive about it. And it's not actually being passive. Um, one of my leaders said something really profound to me months ago, um, and it stuck with me. Rather than waiting passively, wait actively. Um, and while we're waiting for, and while we're in this process of decision making with God, partnering with God's will, it's this idea that you're waiting actively, not waiting passively um, for this full process to take its course. And sometimes that can be in seconds. I've, I know there's been times where I've consulted God about something and it's literally been the next conversation, the next phone call I get, the next text message I get has been full of the wisdom of God concerning that decision. And sometimes I've had to wait. Sometimes I've had to ask, actually, can I get back to you in this amount of time? Actually, can I do this thing by that time? And I've had to push the deadline. And obviously, I'm not talking about lacking excellence in your workplace or in your education and things like that. You can't push the deadline on an entire piece of coursework that's due in. I completely understand that. Um, but it was definitely about making sure um, that I that I, I waited out for God's voice and I waited, I waited actively um, in that particular space. So I would do research. I would look at the pros and the cons. I would look at the full counsel of God, the word of God. What does it say about this? What I may be leaning into that I feel like God has shared with me previously about my own walk with him, about my own journey in life, my own purpose, my own identity. Does this fit in the... Um, the expression that God has given me in the earth, different things like that. So I would wait actively while I waited for God's direct inspired response to me. Um, but oftentimes outside of that, um, God doesn't always take long. That misconception needs to be thrown in the bin. Um, God doesn't always take long. Sometimes we aren't responsive. Sometimes we're not discerning the message we're not recognizing it sometimes he gives it to us but we don't pay attention to its attribution or or its relevance to what we're asking him for and sometimes we already have a definition of what we want this answer to look like and so we're missing all the other signs um and so become aware become aware of these other voices and correctly identify and place them that's that's principle number two principle number three is um have a standard and don't compromise. Have a standard and do not compromise. Have a godly standard and do not compromise. Sometimes when it comes to decision making, one of the things that can really impact negatively impact our decision, sometimes we're asking God for his thoughts on something that is clearly compromising one decision will be clearly in compromise of God, of what you believe about God, also what he said about you, what his word says. Um, and one of the things that makes it um, a little easier to make decisions with God involved is when some things I don't even bother to take to him. I know that this isn't God. I know that this isn't a good thing. I know that this isn't um, right before God or in right standing with God. So it doesn't even make it to my prayer list. I know what decision to make. So all of those little ones that involve compromise, I can drop them like dead weight. But it's these harder decisions, these more involving decisions that I that I actually have to be sensitive for um, or sensitive to God about. Those are the ones that I take to God. But sometimes like 
for example, I anyone who knows me, my friends will probably hear the cringing in my voice um, when it comes to um, this topic. But for example, um, I remember being standard shamed. Um, so even amongst my Christian friends, um, I remember people saying to me when it comes to relationships, especially romantic relationships, um, this idea that, oh, you'll never find somebody who can live up to your expectations or who can live up to your standards. You'll never find someone who um, is all of those things that you're saying you need. And, I'm, and I don't have extremely high standards. Um, when it comes to relationships, I would say I don't have high standards. Um, I just have non-negotiables. For example, some people will say, oh, he has to love God. No, I beg to differ. He has to love God more than he loves me. Um, uh, For example, um, some of my preferences are people who are um, somebody who is um, loves God more than me, one, two is funny and maybe a bit more spontaneous than me just because I'm very rigid when it comes to schedules and stuff I'm not a spontaneous person and being around friends who are spontaneous has helped me to grow or develop in that area so I would like to be with somebody who values their schedules because that would help us to gel and our schedules and times to gel but is also quite spontaneous and will help me kind of pull me out of the rigidity of my schedules these are all very like, because I know myself, these are very easy things to say that I would prefer in another person. But my non-negotiables are very basic stuff. Love God, study the word, commit, be committed to uh, and planted in, in a church or in a space that is Bible believing and helps you to grow in God. Like very basic stuff. But people, even my Christian friends, even people that, um, are in relationships or are are looking for relationships themselves are like, "Mm, I don't think you're going to get all of that. And it's like, I'm not like, oh, if he's not all of these things, then I don't want him. Actually, I'm like, I'm willing to grow in particular areas or I'm willing to develop in particular areas or even if he isn't this thing, I understand, okay, that he might not be this thing, but he may tick every other box. And I don't even have a written list anywhere of all of these things. I just have green flags in my mind that I know, okay, if I see this, oh, this would be nice. That would be nice. That I would prefer. That I wouldn't so much prefer, but I can handle that. Do you know what I'm saying? I keep saying, do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, Um, but yeah, I remember being standard shamed, but one of my leaders said something so powerful to me and that thing has helped me heal from the standard shaming I I received because I was at one point I was like, you know what, Jesus himself is going to have to come back for me or like, I'm going to like, just, I would rather be alone. Apostle Paul said singleness was a gift. Celibacy was a gift. Um, and so, um, I kind of took that mentality where I was like, oh, I really don't, I don't really care much about this whole relationship thing. If there's no one out there for me based on what people were, were telling me or sharing with me. But the only reason why I had standards was because I know myself. I've, I've, built relationship with God and in finding God I found things about myself and I found my identity and so I'm not searching for somebody to complete me I'm not searching some for somebody to make me who I am I already am who I am I'm just looking for somebody compatible with that or um, yeah compatible is the word we use nowadays um, compatible with with my identity and so 
uh, and with my person. So um, the reason why I'm saying this is my leader said something to me really powerful. Um, one of my mentors said, um, high standards or good standards protect you from poor experiences. Um, and that taught me that because I have standards and because I know myself and because I have understanding about what I'm looking for in romantic relationships or what I'm looking for in platonic relationships or what I'm looking for in discipler relationships or what I'm looking for in all of these different areas, because I have standards in those areas and I have built up my identity and I've learned who I am in God. So I know what to look for in, in relationships that require chemistry and compatibility I don't have to dilly dally with things that don't meet that standard or with people that may not meet that, that standard. And that doesn't make them less valuable or less esteemable, but that just means that they're not for me. And I'm okay with that. Um, and so, yeah, dealing with the standards of your your decision making, dealing with the things that you will bother to present to God and the things that you won't helps you to sift and sort things that can easily be let go of. Um, if I know that, so for example, when it comes to the work that I do, I work professionally um, in policy, everything from drafting to implementation um, and review. Um, and so by default in my career, there are certain things that people try to force onto you, especially as we're growing in our society and more open mindedness to some things that necessarily don't glorify God. Um, sometimes they may push on you this idea that you're ancient or traditional if you and or it's almost used in a shaming tone um, if you don't if you don't agree with particular things or lifestyles or ways of living. And I have standards that I won't take an opportunity or I won't engage or I will engage with a certain level of access to um, to me or my personhood. I will engage only at a professional level with some of these career things or with some of these uh, opportunities that may present themselves in my career. Um, and. I won't compromise in that area. I won't ever advocate for something that I don't believe in personally. I won't draw up a policy plan and a strategy for implementation if I don't believe that to be the truth about a particular thing, um, especially if it's something that now I don't necessarily mind if it's something like I, I'm not really passionate about, or I don't care about. Um, but if it's something that actively stands against God's full counsel, then I will not take part, um, even professionally. And so one of the things that that allowed me to do was if I read an opportunity and it's something that actively demonizes the gospel, demonizes Jesus or tries to make it seem that um, or, or to just, just doesn't glorify God in any regard, I'm not going to engage full stop. I'm not going to get into it and then ask God, like, even though God can do it, I'm not going to say all of a sudden make a difference, turn everyone's minds around, argue and debate my entire life away to try and make people understand where I'm coming from. I just won't take that opportunity unless I feel the conviction, the burden of God to push through in that particular area. So this is what I'm saying when it comes to standards. Some of us are requiring decisions to be made in things that we should actively have turned away from 
or turn two. But having standards allows us to know what decisions need to be made and what decisions actually are compromised. Um, and so that's my third principle that I would share with you guys. I think sometimes um, we don't want to be labeled a particular way especially when other people are and their opinions or ideas or ideologies are involved and so sometimes we can literally um be be asking God for his idea on a particular topic that we already know how his standards concerning. And so having standards allows us to veer away from compromise, to run clear away from it, um, but also um, to assess the necessity to make this decision or um, to, to whichever decision, yes or no, that you make um, for or against, you know um, if this glorifies God or not. Um, and so those are my thoughts concerning decision making and bringing God into your decision making process. Um, and I really hope that these bless you. Um, because it took me a long time to put them together, not just because of this, but because I really genuinely want to be able to help um, and to have conversations that really aid us to talk about the hard things when it comes to hearing God's voice, because it's not just about sharing a prophetic word. It's about the way that we live um, and hosting God's voice well. And so um, I would want to share with you um, that if you want to have more conversations like this and you want to understand about hearing God's voice and, and in what ways it may impact you, because some of us don't even realize that our decision-making process needs to include God, um, then please feel free to sign up to a six-week coaching intensive that I've got going on specifically for you to have more of these conversations um, at www.recalibrateuk.com forward slash masterclasses and also subscribe to our YouTube page at The Recalibrate podcast on YouTube and you'll be able to get all of this information and more. Um, you guys know I absolutely love and adore you and I can't wait to see you in next week's episode. Don't forget to engage in the conversation. Um, the recalibrate challenge of this week, uh, this week's episode um, is to write down in several ways um, a decision-making process that you can follow um, that brings God in and allows him to speak and then allows him, allows you to trade in your will for his in that particular area. Uh, that's the recalibrate challenge of the week for this week's episode. I can't wait to uh, see you guys in the six week coaching program. Um, but until next week's episode, I love and absolutely adore you guys. Uh, peace and love. Mm -hmm.